Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. Russia hitting hundreds of targets across Ukraine. Kyiv asking G7 countries for financial support as Ukraine's president urges President Biden to visit. According to John Durham, a former Clinton campaign lawyer made false statements to a second government agency. That's based on text messages that prosecutors recently disclosed. The Boston Marathon returned to its original April date this year. That's after moving to October last year and being canceled in 2020. The security force at the race was heavy. Russia attacked cities across Ukraine this morning from the west to the east. This as Russia tries to take full control of the Ukrainian port city of Mariupol. Entity's Jessica Beatty has more. Russia said Monday it hit hundreds of military targets in Ukraine overnight. In Lviv, at least four missile strikes were carried out. Three hit military infrastructure facilities. One hit a tire repair facility. Lviv's governor says at least seven people were killed and 11 injured. And over towards the east, Russia's defense ministry said it hit more targets where Ukrainian forces and armor were concentrated. During the night, high-precision air-launched missiles destroyed 16 Ukrainian military facilities, including five enemy command posts, a fuel depot, three ammunition warehouses, as well as personnel and military equipment. The Kremlin Monday accused Ukraine of changing its stance on issues that have already been agreed to at peace talks, but it said high-level talks continue. Meanwhile, Ukraine has asked G7 nations for tens of billions of dollars in financial support to help cover a war-linked budget deficit over the next six months. Here's the Ukrainian president's economic advisor. The president has made such request, an appeal to the G7 countries to provide this $50 billion in financing for Ukraine. He says different options are being discussed, including issuing 0% coupon bonds. Meanwhile, U.S. ammunition, weapons, and other military equipment head to Ukraine. Here you see airmen at the Dover Air Force Base in Delaware packing it up. Last week, President Biden announced an additional $800 million in military assistance to Ukraine. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky told CNN's Jake Tapper Sunday that he wants Biden to visit Ukraine. It's his decision, of course, and, and about the safety situation, it depends, I mean, that, but I think, I think he's the leader of the United States and that, that, that's why he should come here to see. Biden has said he's personally ready to go to Ukraine. But over the past week, the White House has insisted that Biden has no plans to visit. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. The Polish government recorded an eight-hour waiting period on Sunday at the Poland-Belarus border for trucks leaving the EU following a sanctions deadline on Saturday. The EU has imposed a full ban on Russian and Belarusian trucks carrying freight in the EU. This was agreed as part of the fifth round of sanctions against Russia over the invasion of Ukraine. The ban came into effect on April 16th and included exceptions for agriculture and food products, humanitarian aid, as well as energy. Drone footage from Saturday showed freight trucks backed up for miles on the road from Poland into Belarus hours before the sanctions went into effect. The U.S. envoy for North Korea says South Korea and the U.S. should take the strongest possible deterrence stance against North Korea. This while the U.S. and South Korean troops start annual joint exercises. 
it is extremely important for the United Nations Security Council to send a clear signal to the DPRK that we will not accept its escalatory tests as normal. Also agreed on the need to maintain the strongest possible joint deterrent capability on the peninsula. And as Ambassador No mentioned, this is why our militaries are exercising and training together, uh, like the exercise that started just today. U.S. Envoy Soon Kim spoke in South Korea amidst escalating missile and nuclear threats from Pyongyang. Kim and his deputy met with South Korea's nuclear envoy as part of a five-day visit. Kim arrived the same day joint military exercises started. The nine-day military drill is held annually with U.S. and South Korean troops. Kim is also expected to meet with the transition team for South Korea's president-elect Yoon Suk-yeol. The 126 Boston Marathon started this morning amid heavy security. This as the race returned to its traditional April race date for the first time in three years, generating strong spectator interest. The world's oldest annual marathon was canceled in 2020 and delayed until October last year in response to the pandemic. Security is always a top concern for local authorities. Heightened measures were put in place after the Boston Marathon bombing attacks of 2013. The Boston Police Department has uniformed and undercover officers along the marathon route. The department also set up cameras and checkpoints along the Boston part of the race to monitor the crowd. There were additional worries last week after a mass shooting in a New York subway. This prompted Boston to increase its police presence at subway stations ahead of the marathon, but the suspect in New York was soon arrested. Some 30,000 athletes are participating in this year's marathon, which covers 26.2 miles from Hopkinton to Boston. Michael Sussman was a former lawyer for Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. Special counsel John Durham's team found that he made false statements to CIA officers. That was in a meeting after President Trump was sworn into office. James Baker was the FBI's general counsel at the time. Sussman told Baker that he had time-sensitive information to share. That was according to a text message that prosecutors recently disclosed. In that message, Sussman said he was coming on his own and not on behalf of any client or company. Prosecutors say a tech executive directed him to deliver the information and he billed the Clinton campaign for the job. Back in September 2016, Sussman gave Baker white papers. Those documents allege that Trump's business had a secret channel with a Russian bank. The FBI later determined the allegations were untrue. The new findings say February the next year, Sussman met with CIA officers and he made false statements to them. The special counsel's team introduced a memorandum that a CIA official also wrote. It said Sussman provided documents and thumb drives he claimed that those had data related to potential Russian activities tied to Trump. Sussman said he was conveying information from contacts. Those contacts, he said, were acting in good faith and out of a sense of loyalty to the government. Sussman also said that he was not representing a particular client. That's according to the notes. But it contradicts what Sussman told a former CIA employee. Sussman told the CIA agent he represents a client who wants to remain unknown. It also contradicts something else testimony that Sussman gave to the House Intelligence Committee. He told them under oath that he got the information from one of his clients. Sussman said he found out about the information in the summer of 2016, but he said that he only came forward with it months later. That was because then-President Barack Obama called for a review of intelligence regarding Russian interference in elections. A federal judge has rejected an effort by Stacey Abrams and her gubernatorial campaign. 
She wanted to challenge a new Georgia fundraising law that enforces limits on certain groups. For example, the law allows certain groups under Governor Brian Kemp to raise unlimited funds, while Abrams groups cannot. That's because Kemp is the governor, while Abrams is not the Democratic nominee, at least for now. In her filings, Abrams claimed to already be the Democratic Party of Georgia's nominee for governor. But the primary elections aren't until May. The judge said he turned down Abrams' challenge because otherwise he would have to agree that she was currently the party's nominee. However, the the ruling is a temporary order, and so the case may not be over. In a similar case that the same judge had ruled on, he had said that case was likely to succeed on the claim that First Amendment rights were violated. The new dean of the U.S. House of Representatives is pledging to make Congress more civil. Representative Harold Rogers of Kentucky, who has served in Congress for 42 years, is officially the new dean of the House. The position goes to the longest-serving member of Congress. Rogers took the position after the recent death of the previous dean, Congressman Don Young of Alaska. As dean of the House, Rogers will also have the formal duty of swearing in the new speaker every two years. Though it's largely ceremonial, the dean also has the informal role of setting the values of the institution. New Jersey Representative Christopher Smith is actually tied with Rogers for his length of service in the House, but Congress uses a unique tie-breaking system, the alphabet, so Rogers won out because his name came first. The White House is celebrating Easter Monday with its first egg roll since 2019. It's a sign of freedom from COVID-19 restrictions, but Philadelphians are seeing other signs today. Those tell people they have to wear masks when visiting indoor public spaces, And Philly isn't the only place still cautious about COVID. Today, Philadelphia becomes the first major U.S. city to reinstate its mask requirement for indoor public spaces. That's despite a lawsuit filed Saturday by a group of business owners and residents who are trying to stop it. The suit argues the city should base its rules on the same community COVID-19 level guidelines the CDC uses. Those are low in Philadelphia. Instead, the city has its own metrics for mask requirements. You know, local officials do have a lot of local knowledge of where is it spreading, in which communities. Uh, They're using other types of data. So I have been really supportive of local uh, people making, local leaders making local decisions. Today is also when the federal transportation mask mandate had been set to expire. Instead, the government is extending it until May 3rd. In New York, Broadway theaters say they're extending their mask requirements through at least next month. But in Washington, the White House is relaxing a bit today. It's hosting the first Easter egg roll since the pandemic began and saying Uh, this about vaccine mandates. Um, We are in a different position now, obviously. And so we really have to ask ourselves, what is the role of mandates moving forward? For most Americans, Monday, April 18th is the deadline to file federal income taxes. That's three days later than the usual April 15th deadline for filing taxes. Easter Monday is not a federal holiday. So it's important to have your return postmarked before midnight. The IRS is urging Americans to file their returns electronically because it is currently taking up to six months to process a paper return. Monday's deadline is not for everybody. Taxpayers who live in Maine or Massachusetts have until April 19th to file because their states celebrate Patriots Day. The IRS has also extended the deadline until May 16th for victims of the Colorado wildfires as well as tornado victims in Illinois, Kentucky, and Tennessee. This year's return will be a little more complicated than usual for those trying to meet the deadline. That's because of the need to factor in the child tax credit, the third stimulus check, and new rules about reporting income from cryptocurrency. Pay ranges. 
New York City employers are preparing to put them on job listings. This comes as a new law takes effect. The new law will take effect on May 15th. It's intended to expose potential discrimination in pay by requiring salary information on all job listings. That way, employees can see what others are earning. Similar laws in states like Colorado have been designed to provide more workplace transparency, but some employers say they aren't ready and need to spend more time setting compensation ranges for every job title. The transparency could potentially rankle existing employees when they find out new hires could be earning more. Critics say it's not the right solution for the current job market and want the implementation delayed until November. Supporters of Florida's governor converged on Walt Disney World. This was after Disney promised action in response to new state legislation. We're here now with two things because of how beautiful Disneyland was. I'm losing my voice. And how important it is to the children. And then they decided to ruin the whole park with all this woke garbage. And you can't force, because of Ron DeSantis' bill that was signed, it doesn't have anything in there that says no gay in it. Today we're rallying for Governor DeSantis! The new Florida law limits classroom discussion on gender identity and sexual orientation for young children. Opponents of the law call it the Don't Say Gay Bill. A group of Disney employees who disagree with the bill staged a week of walkouts. In response, Disney vowed to help repeal the bill and include more LGBTQ characters in its children's content. A classified satellite for the U.S. National Reconnaissance Office, or NRO, was launched into space from California on Sunday. The NROL-85 satellite lifted off from Vandenberg Space Force Base aboard a two-stage SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket. Vandenberg says this was the first mission by the NRO to reuse a SpaceX rocket booster. The Falcon's first stage flew back and landed at the seaside base northwest of Los Angeles. The NRO only described the satellite as a critical national security payload. Its launch was one of three awarded by the Air Force to SpaceX in 2019 for a combined price of $297 million. The NRO is the government agency in charge of developing, building, launching, and maintaining U.S. satellites that provide intelligence data to senior policymakers, the intelligence community, and the Defense Department. And coming up, we look at a new idea by a food tech startup. This one in Spain uses a 3D printer to make whole steaks. The material is made completely from plants. They're marketing it to people who want to eat less meat as a way to help the planet. And New York City's Easter Parade is back. See some of the amazing costumes that locals put on. Some saw it as a sign the city is returning from the pandemic. All that and more here on NTD News. New video was released by Spanish police and the Spanish Customs Office. It shows police storming a fishing boat carrying over three tons of cocaine, reportedly worth over $50 million. Customs Office police boarded the fishing vessel off the Canary Islands on April 13th. They arrested five members of the crew. That's according to a joint news release from Spain's Interior Ministry and the Civil Guard National Police. The vessel was stopped by the Spanish Coast Guard and waters south of the Spanish archipelago and escorted to Las Palmas in Gran Canaria. 
Video footage was released that shows officers removing sacks of cocaine hidden in the fishing boat's fuel tank. Spanish local newspaper El Dia reported that the seized cocaine is estimated to have a street value of $54 million. The Joint Police and Customs Office statement did not specify the value of the seized drugs. The Spanish food tech startup is 3D printing whole cuts of steak made from plant-based products, attempting to achieve the most realistic meat imitation possible. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more. This 3D printer is producing a whole cut veggie steak. Spanish startup Nova Meat targets heavy meat eaters who can't compromise on the taste and texture of real meat. We aren't after vegetarian or vegan consumers. They existed long before these products first appeared. We want our consumers to reduce the amount of meat they eat, but without having to renounce the experience of eating meat. The 3D printed steak has to fool all senses taste, texture, appearance, and even smell, and requires the right amount and proportion of ingredients, including peas, beetroot juice, and seaweed that are made into fibers that imitate muscle tissue. We started with the most difficult one, element of the 3D printed steak, which is the texture. It's very difficult to achieve a steak-like parameter. It's a very difficult parameter to achieve in the food industry. We started with that and we got it right. We are very proud. Then we have the parameters of taste and mouthfeel. In regards to these two, we have improved a lot lately, so people are telling us we are doing well in texture, taste, and mouthfeel. The company is still conducting a series of tastings and cooking schools to gather some feedback. At the Culinary Institute of Barcelona, Nuria Zarco appreciated the product's texture. I was surprised. I wasn't expecting that, given how they make the steaks and the ingredients they use. The texture is very well achieved. The taste, too. There were different tastes to try. In general, they were all very tasty. Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods are two major names in the global fake meat arena. But there are dozens of other brands competing in the market, including some which also use 3D printers. Nova Meat plans to have its steaks available at selected restaurants in Spain by the end of 2022. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. The older generation has borne the brunt of the pandemic, but they have shown great resilience in the face of this challenge. What can we learn from them? Here's more from Gina Marie, who brings us Strong Mind and Body. COVID-19 is more dangerous for older people. Well, at least that's what many assumed. Many thought the pandemic would be more dangerous for their mental health also. But according to researchers, a surprising finding emerged that older people were doing much better than their younger counterparts. In surveys of over 63 countries, it was younger people who were more stressed, depressed and anxious during the first pandemic spring. Why might that be the case? Another study surveyed nearly 1,400 older adults in the U.S. to see what traits were protecting them in a time of crisis. Here's what they found. Number one, more meaning in life. In spring 2020, people over 65 reported a greater sense of meaning in life than those under 65. And the greater their sense of meaning, the more optimistic and less distressed and hopeless they felt. 
Number two, more forgiveness of the situation. We typically think of forgiveness as something you offer to a person. We can also adopt a forgiving attitude toward hardships that we encounter like natural disasters or illness. This attitude involves letting go of and making peace with difficult situations in life. In this study, the more forgiving of the situation older people were, the better their mental health. They had less distress and hopelessness and more optimism. In this study, the older adults were more forgiving as a group and so they reaped the benefits. People over 65 simply saw COVID-19 as less stressful. They were less concerned about the virus, less concerned about their financial situation, able to secure basic necessities, they were more forgiving and more attuned to meaning. There are various theories about why this might be the case. One researcher said there is the experience that comes with age. Older adults often have been through many trials and struggles in their lives, they've learned how to effectively manage them. They found a way to make sense of their new lives and make peace with the hardships. These are habits we can all aspire to if we don't have the wisdom and perspective of old age to help us along. The Easter Parade returns to New York City. Participants wore their most eye-catching costumes and made their best effort to shake off the pandemic blues. The city's parade dates back to the 1870s. Participants were decked out in hats and costumes, filling the streets of Manhattan as they marked Easter Sunday. One of the groups gathered at the parade made elaborate Disney-themed costumes with enormous hats. A participant said the parade makes them feel that the New York City is finally coming back to life after the CCP virus pandemic. Another local participant said the parade is smaller than she thought it would be, but that it's still fun. She said people might still be worried about the pandemic. Newsweek reported that traditionally, participants in this parade would dress in the latest fashions and the event was always noted for its over-the-top display of wealth and beauty. Visitors and natives are admiring blooming cherry trees in Bonn, a city in West Germany. The cherry blossom season transforms the city into a river of pink flowers every year. Numerous people from in and outside Germany visit Bonn each year to see the blooming trees. There will be no limit on the number of visitors allowed this year since Germany has limited, lifted many of its COVID-19 restrictions. The city of Bonn, however, still advises people to wear masks and to keep their distance from each other. In 2020, the inner city of Bonn was sealed off during the cherry blossom season in response to the pandemic. In 2021, face masks had been a requirement. The trees will bloom for a period of about two weeks. Since the cherry trees can age and die, the city has to replace them over time. For the next planting period, the city will plant 11 new trees. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to put our email on screen. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.